Would you please join your hearts together with mine in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have put within our hearts. A faith to hold on to your promises. A faith that believes and trusts. A faith that is thankful to all that you have done within our lives. And we pray, Father, that you would remove distractions from our hearts and minds at this time, that we would hear your word in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. As I said earlier, today is Reformation Day, a day when a few voices started to speak loudly. Uh, Luther, Calvin, Tyndale, all these different voices started to speak into God's church that had been corrupted. It had been corrupted in a way where church tradition and man's thoughts started to guide things more than God's word. And so, God worked through people, through voices, in real time, in real places, to focus his church back upon his word, his saving grace found in Christ alone. See, I, I don't think it's really all that uncommon that people try and tell the church what it's supposed to be. I mean, think of Adam and Eve in the very beginning of things, right? God laid out the church and what it was supposed to be. God laid out what the expectation for his people was to care for all of creation, and they said, no, I think we're going to care for ourselves instead. God, we're going to tell you what your word means. We know you said don't eat from that tree, but we're going to pull from that tree so we can know what good and evil is and so that we can start to make our own decisions about how this whole thing is going to run. And then several thousand years go along and Christ comes. See, and even in the middle of his conversations, as he stood for those few years upon this earth, with John the Baptist coming before him to prepare the way of the Lord, John, the, one of the, or the, not one of, but the first New Testament prophet. Remember, the Old Testament prophets had ended with Malachi. It had been about 400-some years from Malachi until John that God's church was continuing on. God's people was continuing on, but they hadn't heard a prophetic word in 400 years. They hadn't heard God's word outside of Scripture for 400-plus years. And now comes this man who looks completely odd, saying, prepare the way of the Lord. The Lamb of God is coming. Be baptized for the repentance of your sins and for the forgiveness that God alone can bring. God's church didn't so much like it. See, they liked the way things were going. They liked having the control. They liked being able to set the uh, direction of things. They liked being able to tell people what to do. They liked doing exactly what Adam and Eve did. And so as Jesus stood there and heard the people complaining to him about who John was and about who he was and hearing all of what they had to say to him. He had to refocus them again, back upon his word, back upon what God's plan is, back upon what God's expectation for his creation is. And so as they saw John and they say, the church can't look like that, that looks way too austere. That looks way too harsh. There's no way that that could be what the church is like. And they wouldn't hear him. They wouldn't hear God calling through him to call people back into himself. And so they saw where John was at and what John was doing, and they said that just can't be the way things should go. We know how things should go. And then Jesus comes along just a couple of years later, and 
he starts pointing people back to the fact that they should have heard John. They should have heard John just the month before in the baptism of Jesus. They should have heard John as he was preparing the way. They should have heard God calling through John as this prophetic voice. And so when Jesus comes and is almost the exact opposite looking from John, as he's eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners, and he's a friend of all the downcast and outcast of the society, he's a friend, and they're eating and hosting and spending time with the broken. And the leaders of the church said, well, the church can't look like that. That's associating with people we shouldn't associate with. That, that's a dirty side of our people. There's no reason the church should be part of that. So on both extremes, from John to Jesus, the church just couldn't see God working in either one of those ways. So in the midst of that, Jesus has to try and figure out how to explain this to the people who he's talking to. And he even says that. He says, how should I explain this generation, this generation, that generation that he was talking to, those folks right then and there? How should I describe this generation? Well, it's like children in a marketplace. Children in a marketplace that would call out to their friends as they play their games. And you've all played these games as kids. Remember playing house on one end or playing restaurant or all those different things and you mimic your elders and the things that you would do. Kids in the marketplace in that day and age were no different. They would do exactly the same thing. So they would play a song, a beautiful song to dance to and they played the lute and the harp and they would pretend as they played their instruments expecting their friends on the other side to dance. They didn't dance. See, one group of kids was trying to tell the other group of kids what it was supposed to look like, what they were supposed to do. But the hearers didn't do it. In the same way as they played another game with a dirge, they kind of played funeral, they saw how people mourned around them, and so they would mimic and copy. And they said, we played a dirge for you, but you wouldn't mourn. And so we hear these words, and we try and figure out who's who in this parable. What's going on with all of this? You know, are the people calling out, are they... Jesus and John, and they're expecting the people to respond, and they're not responding. That's some of the church throughout history has seen it that way. But if you take the two pieces together with Jesus and John, and then you take this parable, it really starts to sound like the kids in the marketplace are the religious leaders in the church of the day. Trying to tell Jesus and John what the church is supposed to look like. Trying to tell them what they're supposed to do without really hearing what their words are or where they're at or where they're coming from or hear God's word through their voices. They're trying to tell them to dance. Dance to our tune, Jesus. Dance to our tune, John. We know how things are supposed to go. We know how everything's supposed to be taken care of. We like our position. We like our place. We want to tell you what the church is supposed to look like. not supposed to be caring for all of the people that actually need care. You're supposed to just be taking care of those who are God's people, those who are within the church, those who are following the rules. It reminds me of, like, do you remember? The, <laughs> sounds funny to say, do you remember cartoons? Okay, Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, right? You've got Yosemite Sam on one side, and you've got either Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck on the other side, and they have an old western going on, and Daffy Duck or Bugs Bunny, whichever one, ends up rolling into town, and Yosemite Sam wants to stand his ground. 
and they have a duel at high noon in the middle of things, and Yosemite Sam starts shooting at the guy's feet, and he says, dance. And either Bugs Bunny or Daffy, not Daffy Duck. Yeah, Daffy Duck. I always get Daffy Duck and Donald Duck confused. Daffy Duck ends up doing like a soft shoe routine in the middle of things, right? Or starts dancing some kind of little jig. Being told to dance. But Jesus wouldn't have it. Jesus wasn't going to dance to the tune of those who wanted to tell him how to be a Messiah. I think in our day and age, it gets kind of interesting as we start to look at the culture's influence upon the church as well, and maybe even some of our own hearts at times. As we try and tell the church what it's supposed to think about marriage, what it's supposed to think about abortion, what it's supposed to think about God's expectation for male and female. As the culture around starts to influence what the church thinks and believes and kind of tell God, you know what, dance to our tune. God, we don't necessarily like what you have written down in Scripture, and so we want to tell you the way things are supposed to be because this is what love looks like, God. This is what the world is supposed to look like, God. This is how the church is supposed to accept and uh, enable and be perfectly fine with where everybody's coming from to let them be okay, and God, you just have to accept us for who we are. We hear those things. See, God's word doesn't speak that way, and nor did Jesus. Jesus said, I am going to love you, but my love is going to look a lot different. My love is not going to let you stay who you are. My love is actually going to forgive your sins. My love is going to take care of you. My love is going to look like me dying on your behalf in a place where you should hang for your sins and suffer God's wrath, but you won't have to because I will. My love is going to look like sitting with the downcast and the outcast. My love is going to look like sitting with the ones that are hurt and broken. My love is going to look very different than the church has looked for the past 400 years. So as Jesus talks to that generation, we hear things that also kind of prick our hearts as well. Because we know there are times when we try to tell God or tell Jesus what he's supposed to be doing in our life. As opposed to hearing what he's supposed to be doing in our life from his own word. And in the days of the Reformation, it was pretty similar. The church had been so wrapped up in traditions and corruption and man's thoughts of how the church was supposed to run that they had forgotten about God's love for his people. And sometimes in our busyness, we too forget about God's love for his people. In those days of the Reformation, as Luther wanted to just simply point people back, point the church back specifically, and stay within the church and point it back to God's clear message in Christ, it wasn't necessarily heard with open ears. I mean, he was excommunicated from the church on the Pope's behalf, right? And the Pope said, no, you no longer are part of this church. But founded upon God's word and upon God's grace and upon the faith that God gives within our hearts, Luther had nowhere else to go except to clearly and continually express God's love for his people. God's love not focused in on whether or not they could buy indulgences and buy ways out of their sins or pay for certain things within the church or do different things excursions and pilgrimages and earn their way beyond what God had given them in their baptism, but to rest solely on the promises of God. 
to rest solely upon the grace that he has for us, to rest solely upon the love that he has for us in Jesus as he has forgiven our sins through his death and his resurrection, as he lives again to give us life. You see, Jesus doesn't have to dance to our tune. We don't get to shape his word. We don't get to do any of that, but we do get to hear his word and how it shapes our lives. And he will call us to dance, but not out of some strange or weird way, but in celebration. In celebration as he gathers his people together in his love and in his grace, as he gathers his people together for eternity with all the things that break us apart, with all the things that break society down, with all of the things we've seen this year that hurt us. As you sit here with masks on, knowing that there's some virus there that can affect us. As we see broken relationships from the racial tensions throughout the nation. We see these things and we know they're wrong. We know that they are not right. We want something to be done about them. So instead of the culture that then speaks out to God and says, God, where are you in all of this and why are you letting it all happen? We stand upon his grace and mercy and say, God, please be present as you promised because we can't do anything necessarily to write this without you. We need you, Lord, present, forgiving, reconciling, bringing your people back together, bringing your creation back together unto yourself so that we will live upon God's grace alone, by faith alone, revealed in God's scripture alone as the only authority, not something from within us, but something that God hands over to us to let us know who he is for us, who he is as our Lord and Savior, who he is as the creator of all the universe, and who he is as a Holy Spirit that guides us each day to care and love for one another. And so as Jesus talked to that generation then, specifically to them about what their generation was like, we see echoes of it now in this day. And we thank God as he continues to work through his people, as he gathers his people together around his word to live within his word, knowing his love for us in Jesus, where you get to hear regularly prayerfully, weekly, if not more, that you are loved and forgiven by God and all that Jesus has done for you in his death and in his resurrection. That you get to hear the forgiveness of your sins clearly and loudly. And that you know that as you walk out of this place, you're guided by God's Holy Spirit to not necessarily live in a way that you would want to live for yourself, but you're free to live for others, to care for others, to love others to do something for their benefit. So you're beautifully free in God's love, not having to dance to anybody else's tune, but dance in celebration and praise of the God who loves you. Amen. You pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. For all the ways in which you worked throughout history from the beginning until this time and until the day to come where Christ comes back and you gather all your people together in celebration at the wedding feast of the Lamb, where joy is present eternally, where you are present with your creation eternally, where there's singing and praise and dancing. And we pray, Lord, that you keep our eyes focused upon that 
and that we would have opportunity to share that joy and peace with all those who you bring into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.